Hello everybody and welcome to Resurgence. Whew. That was an awkward intro. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I had a lot of fun with that. I just cranked up the ambience and the reverb and I just I don't even know. It took like five different takes to make that. <laughs> And that is so cringy, but I'm going to keep it because that is funny. And I already know that the listeners of this is just going to like get really tense for just the first five seconds of this episode. That's really funny. <laughs> All right. Anyways, welcome to episode five of Resurgence. Today, separation of church and state. Let's jump right into it. So... Separation of church and state. Recently, this past week, there was a court case that got all the way up to the Supreme Court. And the case is called American Legion v. American Humanist Humanist Association. I, I don't know if it's humanist or humanist. I'm going to say humanist because that sounds a lot cooler than humanist. A humanist sounds like a disease. <laughs> so I'm just going to say humanist. Anyways... This was in this was in Maryland, and this court case was about how the American Legion has a cross in like their front yard, which is like right off the highway. And if you drive through this town that the American Legion is located in, you just see this forty foot cross. Well, this cross is a memorial for forty nine soldiers who lost their lives in World War One, and it's just, that's exactly what a memorial is. It's a remembrance of these forty nine soldiers. Well. The people, the members of this American humanist, humanist, whatever the heck, association, they're offended by it. And they think that it is a symbol of Christianity, which it is. But what the catch is, is the government is funding this cross, this memorial, the, the upkeeping of it, the, the preservation of it. I mean, according to, to New York Times... I got to find the article so I can get it spot on. I believe they've put over $100,000 just on this cross. And I can't find it right now. And I don't want to just shut up and try to find it. So I'm not going to. But just know that it is, I believe it's 100000 Oh, found it. It's $117,000 to maintain and repair the memorial. And that was since 1961. So this has been maintained by our government for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. And years. So what what's going on is this American Humanist Associate Association is is saying is they're saying that because of separation of church and state, you shall not be legally supporting this. I don't think they necessarily want it torn down, although they probably want that too, but they want the government to stop putting money towards it because that's it's our tax money. <laughs> and they're saying that it is illegal and it is against the First Amendment for the the government to do. And since that day, I can't remember, was that Tuesday or Wednesday that all of that was going on? I mean, it's been going on for a long time, but the Supreme Court finally made their decision last week. And they decided that it is not against the First Amendment, that they can still fund this memorial and... It doesn't break it. It doesn't break any laws. 
And the the part that people don't like is all of these judges that are in the Supreme Court have different takes on it. And none of them really line up with each other, which I think is preferred. I even prefer it because it's like, well, do you know? <laughs> do you know the laws? And after after further further research, I now see why they all have a different take on it. It's because the the separation between church and state clause in the first amendment is very vague it really is and it i read it and it's kind of up to in like interpretation of of self like the way that i interpret it could be different than the way somebody else interprets it i don't care that they're funding this cross now that's a bias because i'm a christian would i be upset if my if my money if my tax money was going to uh, a muslim mosque uh, which is a, a religion that I very much disagree with. Yeah, I might be. So I really don't have like a whole lot of say, I guess. But the the separation of church and state has been around for years and years and years. And it's been interpreted differently for years and years and years. So what's the history of it? Where did se- separation of church and state come from? And I did a little bit of my research in the Oxford in- in- Encyclopedia can't say that word today, the Oxford Encyclopedia of American History. And I just have just got some brief notes. It's really just copy and pasting of some of the things that I like about it. And so I'm just going to go through this two pages that I have here of the history of it and how, how it affects everything, everything around us and our, our response. What should our response be? So, sorry, excuse me. I am recovering from a cold. So the history of separation of church and state, it was not officially like stamped with, of approval and noticed by the government until 1879. So it has been around for a little over or a little under around 130 years, if my math is correct, 140 years. So which is almost almost as long as our, our nation has even been a nation. It was actually in like nomenclature and the culture since the early 1800s. So it's already been practiced because our founding fathers really, really, they really had like a high regard and really made it an important thing that the government and the church be two different things and that the government remained secular. I'm not sure if you guys know about the history of... Europe and necessarily why our founding fathers and the pilgrims all came to America. It was for a multitude of reasons. And one of them was to escape the sort of, I guess, the oppression of the church over in Europe. The church and the government were hard to differentiate over in Europe back in those days. They were very one and the same and the, the the church had a lot of influence and a lot of power over the people's lives and they they affected laws and everything and which isn't necessarily isn't necessarily wrong if if they have good values and good virtues and it, they're doing it for a good cause but they weren't they were doing it to gain power and to oppress and yes the the christian religion has been oppressive for all of those ignorant people out there who don't know things about our Christian faith. That was just a little shot fired. But the Christian religion 
has been oppressive. It has not seen great days in Europe. And that religion is far from the, the Christianity that Jesus established in the Bible. I don't think they followed it well. I do believe that there were believers in Europe. I do believe that there were people who did it well. But for the most part, at least according to the history that I learned in a secular school, by the way, I don't, I don't think it was necessarily done correctly and lovingly. And the Crusades are one thing about it. The Vatican is another. It just goes on and on. That's a completely different story. But there was, they were fleeing that, the people who first came to America. And they didn't, they didn't want that to be a part of their government. And it was actually starting to. I do remember learning that it was, they were redoing what was going on in Europe. And they, were, they had to stop and say, hold up. This is, <laughs> hold up. This is not what we're doing. This is not what we want. We want freedom. We want religious freedom. And in order to have religious freedom, you must have a secular government. As ironic as that is. And it's, it is true. Because if you, you look around, I mean, then Europe and there's plenty of other places. I mean, the Middle East right now, they don't have religious freedom. The government is falls under Islam and it, it is, I think it is a theocracy. Now, it's not like actually a theocracy. Like people that, that study this stuff wouldn't say, nope, it's, it's a theocracy over there. But it is because it's all over the pl- place. The, the Muslim traditions and, and virtues are embedded in the government, embedded in the culture, every, everywhere. So you need a secular government in order to have freedom of religion, as ironic as, as that seems. And it's actually kind of funny, I think, that that's what you need to have. So they realized that and they started establishing, establish, oh my word, establishing that. Words are really hard for Trenton today. <laughs> they started establishing that, but it did not become included in the constitution, like it wasn't canon to the constitution until the mid 20th century with the incorporation of the bill of rights to the States through the 14th amendment. And I just read that straight from the Oxford encyclopedia of American history. I want to make sure that I get my facts like 100% correct here. So I'm just going to read from it real quick and I'll tell you when I'm done reading so that you know the difference between what I'm saying and what they're saying. So in the Modern Court's First Establishment Clause holding Everson v. Board of Education, 1947, Justice Hugo Black wrote, the Establishment of Religion Clause of the First Amendment means at least this, at least this. Neither a state nor the federal government can set up a church. Neither can pass laws which aid one religion, aid all religions, or prefer one religion over another. No tax in any amount, large or small, can be levied to support any religious activities or institutions, whatever they may be called or whatever form they may adopt to teach or practice religion. In the words of Jefferson, the clause against establishment of religion by law was intended to erect a wall of separation between church and state. Unquote. That's, That's sort of a lot right there. And it is specific, but at the same time, it isn't at all, <laughs> which is why there's so much controversy over separation of church and state. So just taking this, this, this small quote from Justice Hugo Black, what do we know? Well, we know that the federal government cannot set up a church. 
So the church that I go to is not run by the government. If it were to be run by the government, then they answer to the government. My pastor would answer to the government, and he does not. That, that would be setting up a church. And the, the money then given to the church ends up in the government. That's what, that's what, that's what that would be. And they, so then it says, neither can pass laws which aid one religion, aid all religions, or prefer one religion over another. Now, when I f- just read this, now I was thinking about, oh crap, <laughs> what did the Supreme Court do? But then when you, then I went back and read the beginning of the sentence, neither can pass laws. And it is not a law that they are funding this memorial. Whatever interpretation people may take from the memorial, there's no laws which aid it. An example of some of a law that would aid religion would be, let me think here real quick off the fly. Say, say the, the president, Donald Trump, were to pass a law that requires every citizen give 3% of their income to the Christian faith, whether it be to a church directly, whether it be to a Christian organization or missionaries abroad. That would be illegal for him to do. And because that doesn't, that doesn't allow freedom of religion because people who aren't Christians don't want to give their money to that. And they shouldn't have to because they have that freedom. They have that choice. And if you say, well, no, they shouldn't because it's right. Yes, it is right. But God still gives us a choice as well, which is why America is the best country to live in is because we do what God intended for us to do is to have choice. Choose him or not choose him. We know right from wrong. Choose him or not choose him. Excuse me. So they can't pass laws. No tax in any amount, large or small, can be levied to support any religious activities or institutions. So that would be me giving a portion of my check to the government. And then when I get my tax return back, I find out that they gave a chunk of the money that I gave them to a religious organization. They can't do that. So I'm pretty sure they can't give to like Samaritan's Purse or what's that one? Uh, Compassion Child? I can't remember like the exact name of that, but they can't get, they can't give to the organizations like that. I'm trying to think of some other organizations, but I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. They can't do that with the taxes that they get. So then the next part, whatever they may be called or whatever the form they adopt to teach, practice religion. So that's saying like, they don't have to be a church. It can be somebody who creates a business organization and like the core values are explicitly Christian, religious, or Muslim, or Hindu, or Buddhist. Can't, they can't do that. And then he then quotes, in the words of Jefferson, the clause against the establishment of religion by law was intended to erect a wall of separation between church and state. So that's, that's what that means. So th- those are the specifics. Where are the, the, the broad like the, the broad interpretations of this. Well, can they fund something? According to this little bit that I just read here, yeah, they, 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 they can. 
and it can't at the same time. <laughs> See, even like it's just this wrestling back and forth. But it, I think it all depends on, and this is what they were talking about today, not today, but in today's time in the Supreme Court over all of this stuff circling the, this cross in Maryland is what is this cross representing? Is it representing Christianity? Is it representing the fallen dead? What, is it a memorial? Is it all these different things? And it's all up to interpretation, which is why it makes it so complicated because they're not supposed to be giving money to these things. But is it Christian? Because, I mean, if you go to a graveyard, you find a lot of symbols of belief on there. But, and who takes care of those? Especially like the military. The, the first one that comes to, to mind once again, I'm sorry, I cannot think of the cemetery, but where all of the the World War II uh, vets were, were were placed, and they they have they have either crosses or they have the Star of David over their over their tombstones, their white tombstones. Well, the government takes care of that, but those are religious symbols. So I think it's all about what is the message of that religious symbol. Well, for in the in those cemeteries, the message is just this is what this person professed, and th- there's just this spiritual attachment to to a death. There always is. You can say that there isn't, but there is. Again, that's another story. But there is a spiritual attachment to death, and I do think it is fine for them to to fund that. And this also is a memorial. It's very much like the the cemetery. So I think they can fund that too. Because to the government, they're not funding Christianity. They're not trying to advertise Christianity to the world and say, this is where we're putting our money. This is where you need to put your money. And Christianity is the correct religion. They're not doing that at all. They're doing this out of honor and service to the fallen. And the, the cross just represents those those fallen i don't think there's any explicit or implicit message of it that talks about christ or salvation or the gospel by any means it really is just used as a symbol as this and crosses by the way were not just used for jesus jesus wasn't the only one to die on the cross in fact he had two other people with him and for years and years and years and years and years, I don't know how many years, the Romans used the cross. I believe Peter and Paul, one or the other, or both, were also crucified at the cross. I believe it was, I believe it was Peter who was, who was crucified upside down. And so that, that's something that's been going on for, for a very, very long time. And it was for, it was for criminals. It was for Jesus now, the Star of David, on the other hand, there's nobody jumping at the Star of David, mainly because I don't. it just isn't as prominent of a symbol in our culture as the cross. But that one is like that. Nobody else uses that. The cross was used for other purposes other than just Christianity, but the Star of David was, was, is not. And so I'd even argue that, that maybe that's even more controversial for government to fund or anything than, than the cross. Although I'm not saying that they shouldn't fund that because I, I don't care. <laughs> But just just putting that, that little piece out there. So the, the, the Oxford Encyclopedia of American History, it goes on 
And it, and it says, and I quote, the pedigree of separation of church and state says little about its content, however. Like judges, many Americans have disagreed about what the principle means in practice. For some, it means that religious bodies have no official status or formal role in the government, such that each institution acts independently of the other. The government may, the government may not maintain a state religion, directly finance religious activities, or coerce actions either on behalf of or against religion. See that bit? Against religion? <laughs> Beyond these core prohibitions, however, the government has significant leeway to interact with religion. It may acknowledge religious traditions and customs. I'm going to stop there real quick. When the president is sworn in, he has to put his hand on the Bible. When you go to court to testify, you got to put your hand on the Bible. The Ten Commandments is in the Supreme Court. Uh, those, these are all Christian symbols <laughs> that are just everywhere in the government. It may acknowledge religious traditions and customs. Use religious symbols in discourse in ecumenical ways and financially assist activities of religious bodies that advance the common wealth. So I guess they can give, you know, to Samaritan's Purse if Samaritan's Purse is doing uh, like a feed the hungry thing and it's nationwide and the government can see it as a way to boost the economy and the overall health of people. If people can eat and if they are healthy, then they can go find jobs and they can become more stable and it just boosts everything. <laughs> then they can. However, they can't, they can't fund them on like a missions trip to... Guatemala. They can't do that because that doesn't advance, it doesn't financially advance the Commonwealth of America. Back to quoting. The Constitution does not prohibit communal expressions of faith, such as prayers in legislative halls or on public school football fields. This view also permits the government to facilitate private religious activity as a means of enhancing the religious liberty right contained in the Free Exercise Clause. So, it, it looks like there's a lot that they can do. And I think the reason why it looks like they've interacted more with Christianity than any other religion, I think people are just mo maybe more upset that Christianity is the focus in our government and no other religion. And it looks, and it looks like the government prefers Christianity over their, any other religion. Well, A, our founding fathers were all Christians or all had a high regard of God. In a Christian, in a Christian way, they all used the Bible. Nobody came to America and was Muslim or Hindu or Buddhist. That that didn't happen till years after, probably the 1900s. Once we once we started getting people from Asia over here, because Christianity started in the Middle East and then it went to Africa and then it went up through Europe uh, with Paul and Peter and that whole commission that that movement. So everyone was Christian. So what else are they going to do? Well, they're not going to they're not going to put the what is it, the five pillars, I believe, of of Islam in their halls. I mean, these buildings have been around for a very long time. So, of course, they're going to have Christian symbols in them and there's going to be there's going to be not scars, but there's going to be fingerprints. There we go. Fingerprints of Christianity all over our government. Because when the founding father, when the founding fathers started our government, they were Christian men, and they allowed their Christian views to influence the government. As expected, you can't judge them for that. Those are their views, <laughs> and they built America on those views. 
you can't you can't build it on somebody else's views if they're not your views. So that's the that's the first part of why it looks like that. And the second is Christianity is an evangelical religion. There there aren't others. You don't see Muslims going on missions trips. You don't see Hindus going on missions trips. You don't see Buddhists going on missions trips. You see Christians all over the world. They're just traveling everywhere. Christianity has no borders. It's all over the place. And so, of course, it's going to look look like they're maybe funding Christianity more than any other religion because Christianity is the most vocal religion there is. So, of course, if if the Muslim faith wants to be more vocal and they want the government to help fund things that will advance the commonwealth of the people, they can do that, but they're not doing that. So I think that's the second part as to why Christianity seems so big in our government. So moving on with this, this article. Here, separate, separationism becomes the rationale for protecting the independence of religious institutions, such as by preventing civil courts from adjudicating internal church disputes, and affording religious bodies broad discretion over employment matters. So, what that means, excuse me again, if one member of the church is in quarrel with another member of the church and has a lot to do with their beliefs, government cannot step in and do anything. They can't take them to court over that, is, is what that means. I mean, I don't, I can't think of a great example. I mean, maybe it's something that one read in the Bible and he interprets it, interprets it one way and the other one interprets it another way and they butt heads and maybe it's over how they need to keep up with their households and it, it causes something. I don't even know. The court can't, they can't step in and interfere with it because it is a religious matter. It's not a, it's not a real, uh, political matter. So that's what that means. Under this perspective, the superior value inherent in separation is the goal of minimizing government interference with religious actions and choices. One could term this a minimalist view of church-state separation. So, I, I like that, actually, a lot. I know some people might disagree with all of that that was just said in the Oxford Encyclopedia of American History. But I, I think that it explained this very well on what government can and cannot do under separation of church and state. I think it's very fair. And that's all I have on those two pages. So that's what they they can and cannot do. And it's very reasonable. And it does prevent them from becoming a theocracy. Because religion can be present, it just can't be dominating. And the separation of church and state prevents that because they can't they can't give money to the religious organizations unless it advances everybody, seculars included. And so it goes back to just what I was saying. The government has to be secular in order for us to have freedom of religion. And bringing it back to this court case of the, of the cross in Maryland, although there are different, there's different views from each judge member I don't think it's wrong for them to fund this memorial because the memorial is not advancing Christianity in any way. 
It's just there for for these men, and that's what that's what it was built for. It was built in honor of these men. When you look at this cross, you're not really supposed to think about Jesus, although you, although you probably should. When this cross was built, you're supposed to think of the forty nine fallen men. Now, if the government were to fund the the oh that big Jesus statue in in Brazil, that that would be wrong. Because when you look at that, you think of Jesus, you think of Christianity, you think of what he did on the cross because his hands are spread out. That you, the, our, gov- our government cannot fund. But this is fine. This is completely fine. It doesn't advance the Christian agenda. It's not a part of the commission. So what, what, what should a Christian's response be to this? Well, mine was kind of like, oh, here, here we go. Christianity is being shut out, but if this cross were to be torn down, um, if it, it remains standing, if it's funded, if it's not funded, if it looks like garbage after a few years, it doesn't affect me and it doesn't affect my faith because these these symbols, these material symbols made out of wood and rock and and glass or, or whatever these things are being made out of, they don't represent my faith. They're just... Um, like mementos, I guess you could say, of of my faith, but my faith will always remain because my faith do, isn't isn't dictated by whether or not a statue is standing up. If the statue of Jesus was still standing in real day, whatever, I'm sorry, I can't remember that city. If it, if it if it falls down one day, my Christianity isn't over. If Vatican City falls. My Christianity isn't over. My Christian faith isn't over. If they take the Ten Commandments out of the Supreme Court, my Christian faith isn't over. Because my hope isn't in government and it isn't in these in these memorials or in these statues just scattered about the nation and the world. It's in something a lot more eternal than that. And that should be every Christian's reaction. We need to start utilizing our time a lot better than fighting for stone that one day will fall. It will. Whether it's because they're no longer going to fund this thing or if it's because Jesus comes back or if an earthquake happens in five years randomly and it falls. We need to use our, we need to use our time much, much better than trying to fight these things. I understand why people fight for these things. Because they, 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 they're clinging to it. They, they, when, when somebody tears it down, they see it as an attack to their faith. And it, and it sort of is. But Christianity, God, is more powerful than that. And you can use believers in, in much more different ways. And he, he isn't weakened. The gospel isn't weakened because a statue falls down. Or a cross falls down. It doesn't weaken the gospel one bit. What weakens the gospel and what weakens our Christian faith is when we become silent. And I already talked about that. So we need to stop being silent. We need to go out there. We need to tell people what the faith is, who Jesus is, that he's Lord, what that means for the future of the world. And I am very pleased in separation of church and state because it allows me to have my freedom of religion without secular corruption when i say corruption i mean the government not all secular things but the government influence my my christian beliefs and i can do them freely i can sit here right now and pray freely 
without being afraid. I can give my money to the church and be assured that that money won't end up somewhere else, but it'll remain within the church as long as the church utilizes that money well. And so it is, it is a blessing, but it isn't the end of the world if we lose it. It just makes things harder. But to God, hard is easy. This was episode five of Resurgence. Thank you all for listening, and I will see you all next week.